0: <laughs> We're here Whoa. again. It's another week. It's another week. That was so intense. You're like, are you going to kill me? Jamie. <laughs> did
1: you think it was coming from
0: inside your apartment? I did. And you know, I, I can't do scary movies, and you love scary movies. So I get yeah. really scared very easily. So.
1: <laughs> so sorry about it.
0: Sorry about it. Hi, Jamie. Yeah. Hi. Hey, uh, good morning. Oh, well, hmm. I've already had a whole day it's 5 pm but good morning to you
1: oh thanks I
0: guess you could say
1: good afternoon because who knows when anyone is listening to this
0: right like good day good day to you good, good day people. to
1: you all listeners uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us again for episode two you made it through our intro um, I think it was fantastic but I love myself because I'm a Leo so you know there's that.
0: Yes, and I love myself half the time because I'm a Gemini, and the other half I'm just self-loathing, all the time. But half the time, it's so true. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, it is
1: a lot. Uh, this week we're gonna talk about money. Money, 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 money. money, money. money. Whoa! I think we have to pay for that. <laughs> Actually, I don't think we can do that. Even though it was really cute that we both did it, that's gonna cost us a lot of
0: money. So yeah, we can't license. <laughs> money, money, uh, Oh, I can't do it again because they're going to charge us twice for that. Oh, geez. Okay,
1: yeah. So this week we are talking about uh, making money. You know, as an artist, that, that's kind of the the goal of this whole thing is to talk about what it means to be an artist. So, yeah, I mean, as an artist or, or really as someone who um, makes stuff for funsies on the side, whatever your thing is, you know, I, I think uh, if you make money through your art or if you want to make money through making art, that that's you've joined the right conversation hello
0: (laughs) yes and we decided to take the first official juicy episode and we're tackling money because this is the thing we all want to talk about and yet we feel this weird I don't know if I can talk about it I don't know if anyone else wants to talk about it let's just talk about it like let's just get it out in the open
1: yeah Let's do it. Um, First, though, let's start by uh, a little segment we're calling
0: Highs and Lows. Highs and Lows, people. So we're going to start every episode with our highs and lows from the week. So, Jessica, you hit, hit us with yours.
1: Oh, my. OK, so my highs. Honestly, this past week I had more highs than lows, which is great. Whoa, whoa. Um, I know. Thank God. I mean, I definitely had a lot of lows for a while there. So this is good. Um, I have two highs. One is that I went to the Carlsbad Flower Fields. Uh, it's about an hour and a half south of Los Angeles and took like insane photos in flower fields. I mean i love color i love flowers florals are my jam uh then if you add weird friends doing weird things that's it just filled my heart up i it was great and then um my second high is that i finally after a dry spell in getting client work Got a client job. What, what? 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 So, I have a call right after we record this with a client that uh, has booked me for a job, and I'm so happy. It's the longest I've gone between gigs, especially after the first quarter, which is typically slow in commercial photography. So, I am really excited that I don't have to get a day job now. Hashtag real talk. Real talk. I was very close to applying for a day job we can discuss that a little later um my low this week honestly it was just procrastination i'm gonna try to not make that my low every week because (laughs) it pretty much would be my low every week but i'll I'll start it right off this one and then i'll never bring it up again i am just really good at procrastinating like so good at it i will just wait 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 until the thing needs to be done for some deadline that I either have created in my mind or someone else has made for me and I'll do it literally the night before.
0: But so. also you get so much <laughs> shit done. It's really, so,
1: it's do. confusing.
0: You're so That's organized. Been how
1: I've, I've done that my entire life my whole life. In high school, I did it. In college, I absolutely did it. Uh, And it has nothing's changed. I'm 32 years old, and I am still waiting till the last minute. Um, I've gotten a little bit better. But yeah, this week was hard. I just really didn't want to do any work. I I honestly, I took a lot of photos. I sat down and edited them. I did a lot of social things. And so I was like, all the work stuff I don't want to do. Sorry about it.
0: That's fair. That's honestly fair and and makes it the, the, the thing about doing art for work, which we're obviously going to talk about a million times, is like it's still work, even if yeah. you like it. So that's kind of the misconception that I think a lot of people have, is like it's still kind of shitty, and there's still mundane crap to do. Totally. And so, but also well, and for
1: me, the other thing too is like doing photography, I get into the flow. So like when I'm at a photo shoot, and we were at the flower fields for five hours, Um, That concept of like your brain getting into a flow space, I never knew what that meant. People would talk about it, I'd overhear it, I always found that fascinating. Until I started doing photography full time, the adrenaline rush that you get, I get weird, I get really goofy. I think it's part of how I can make these strange photos that maybe when I'm walking down the street I don't have a concept of in my head. But getting into the flow and having that adrenaline rush and having the endorphins going, all of those things also results in a crash. And it's the same scenario when I'm getting tattooed, because I also have a lot of tattoos. You know, your body produces adrenaline in order to fight the pain, and then you crash very, very, very hard after your endorphins kick in. Um, and so I'm exhausted after a shoot. I just, like, all I want to do is lie on a couch and and sleep or, like, zone out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's work. It's like, like you're saying, I'm doing it for me, but... Man, at the same time, it's it's hard. It's the same if I'm doing it for a client, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, it is. It's. It's exhausting. And then sometimes I think we have this like thing about procrastination. I'm going to get to my highs and lows. Don't worry. I'm going to get there. But. The thing about procrastination I think is really interesting is like, we have this idea in our minds that we should just be robots yeah, and like, we should be productive at all times. Like we can just hack our way into productivity and I love you medium and I love all the medium articles, but yikes. So I think that that's a misconception that we can just always be productive all the time, no matter what the circumstance. So My, my okay, I'm going to start with my low because it's not really as much to do with work, but it kind of got in the way of work is that there was just a lot of annoying things with Paris this week. I mean, it's so fun to be here. It's awesome that I get to live here. But I also have to live my actual life here. And I haven't been able to figure out how to eat vegetables. So like I don't feel that healthy at all. Like I, I love the baguettes, but I can't eat baguettes every single meal, which kind of is how I've been doing it. And so I just don't have the flow with like how I'm gonna eat, what I'm gonna eat. And that that really does affect my overall well being, how focused I am, how much I can get done, everything. Also spending more money because I'm going out to eat more. So that was kind of a low where I was, I've been feeling a little bit like I need to get this together because that affects other things as much as being productive does. Like I just feel tired and I don't like to feel that way. So I did join a gym today, um, which is great. And that was even a little bit of an annoying thing because the gym wouldn't, sign my husband and I up because we didn't have French bank accounts. And then we couldn't get a French bank account because we don't have like a, uh, an apartment lease that they needed us to have. And so we were in, we were stuck in some like French feedback loop where it was like, well, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> like, and oh, so no. I was like, all I want to do is be on a treadmill. Like all I want to do is sweat and not be sweating in the Metro. Like I want to be sweating at a gym. So we got it though. We figured it out. So that was good. Part of a high, part of a low. Um, professional high. Well, booked a new client. Um, yeah. And have, like, I have a potential client call today after we get off the phone. I have to do all my calls at night because of time zones. Um, and then I have another potential client call tomorrow, which is just, that's a lot for one week because I don't, I'm not like getting, I have a lot of work, but I don't get inquiries every second, I'm not like that busy. Um, And then I'm also redesigning my website, which means I'm kind of getting clear on what the next iteration of my business is. And I wrote the most killer copy ever. And that's not usually my strong point is I'm a good writer, but I'm not great at copywriting all the time and pulled it out. And it sounds really good. So that felt like a really big high. Congratulations, Jamie! Thank you. Thanks. Those are some nice highs and lows. I
1: I, I like this segment. Yeah, we're, it it rounds it out. We're keeping it. We're
0: <laughs> yeah, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it. It goes with our tagline. There's a lot of it, it wraps it up.
1: It's great. I love it. Um, cool. Well, now let's get into it, though. Oh, geez. Okay, so money, money. Um, I think it makes sense to start out with um what we grew up when it comes to experiencing money what what was that what were we surrounded by what was the um tone set for us by our parents when it comes to spending when it comes to earning when it comes to your job we dabbled in this a little bit in our intro um because it is something that is important, I think, in terms of who we are as business owners today. Um, but I think getting really into it will help kind of set up um, our feelings going forward. What we're going to discuss in the rest of uh, this episode is, is this is the foundation of everything that we believe in. So,
0: Yeah, because you can't really divorce your, your feelings on business and earning with like your childhood feelings on money. I mean, it's really difficult to do that. So we bring that in. It's like our money baggage. And so money bags. Well, but in a a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. But like you don't want those money bags unless your parents were really, really like conscious and intentional about how they taught you money. I don't think either of us really (laughs) experienced that, but Jessica you had something you' you had a very interesting experience with money because you're you had one parent. I had yeah. three parents to deal yeah. with. you had <laughs> just one. so it was a little bit more at least a little bit more clear
1: yeah definitely so um it was just me and my mom growing up uh my dad passed away when i was about five um i believe he was 38 or 39 and he had cancer um definitely right off the bat i think that shaped money significantly for us um we had to move out of our house and move to still a nice house new development thank god he had life insurance so like we were okay. Um, but if it weren't for the life insurance, I don't oh, I even, even want to think about that. But we moved to a new area that was up and coming that was much, much, much cheaper that didn't have established school systems. We basically were like, we got to go where it's still like California. It's still a nice area, but um, we have no idea what this will look like in terms of your education or anything really uh, that honestly, even that it was going to be like a rich kind of asshole neighborhood was not expected because um, we moved into a brand new development. So when we did move there, it turns out it was a rich asshole neighborhood. <laughs> um, and a lot of the people there were right off the bat, like super weird about my mom being a single mom. Um, So like, immediately we were outsiders, um, which was strange. Uh, And I think part of that experience of being outsiders means you kind of feel this pressure to buy your way in to being like everyone else around you. Um, So uh, my mom, I think, in a sense, to make me happy and to make sure I felt like I was a part of this community, Definitely overspent. So bought me a brand new car when I turned 16. Like anything that I wanted, I got. I was very spoiled. Um, At the same time, she was really conscious and communicative about money. And so um, she is a small independent business owner and was often putting things on credit cards because that's kind of the routine. She made commissions um, and so money was always coming in, but it was kind of this idea of like, there's money coming in down the pipeline. We don't have it right now, but it's okay if we spend it right now, Um, which is not, I think for me, the healthiest method. It's totally how I spend money now as an adult, Um, but it's not, It's not the best example. Um, I definitely... I definitely have a habit of spending money that I don't have, because that's what I grew up with. Um, and there was a period, I do remember, when I was in community college and sh- we were in a lot of debt. And I had no idea. And I, because I was still living at home, she was pretty much still taking care of all of my expenses. Um, and I was still going out and still spending money like I was a dumb teenager. Um, and she basically had to sit me down and be like, we do not have this money. Um, the money that is being spent does not exist and I do not know when it will exist and I have had a rough couple years and like we together as a family need to watch what we're doing and I think it was really hard for her to have that conversation with me um, because I'd never really had rules around money but at that point I was 19 and was like oh my god this conversation should have happened when I was 16 like (laughs) of course so It definitely was an interesting thing to watch my mom be very successful and make it in definitely an upper middle class family as a single parent. It was extremely inspirational, but at the same time, there were secrets and there was shame and there was a hesitation to communicate that. Um, And I think that I bring those tendencies into both my business and also into my marriage, um, which is not great. And I'm I'm still kind of the good one with money when it comes to my marriage, but I also have this tendency when things aren't going well, for example, I haven't worked in the last five months, so right now, to try and hide some of my spending or hide that I borrowed $1,000 to pay taxes from my mom. <laughs> um, Yeah, so there's some shames that I carry through and then some bad habits that I carry through.
0: Okay, so two things. One, when you say you overspend, though, you don't carry debt. I have debt. Oh. I mean, I don't have, like, if you look at the
1: national average, I don't have um, any uh, student loans. My grandmother passed away my third year in college, and she left me money that paid for any of my credit card um, that had school stuff. So I'd never paid student loans, which is amazing. It's, it's part of why I can do what I'm doing right now, to be honest. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have credit cards that have, that have the price of a low-end model car on it. We're gonna be really open. I'm gonna be open about it. I think this in this episode, that's important. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, let's you know, be open. I, I definitely have have debt of like maybe seventeen thousand dollars that I'm continuing to pay down, and it, you know, it's not great. I'm not happy that I have that, but at this, it's not two hundred thousand. It's not five credit cards. It's one credit card. So um, yeah.
0: And you also, I want to point out, you also have a good amount of savings from making, you know, from various things that you got, you know, investments and things like that. So it's not, that all kind of matters in the grand scheme of things. But I, I also want to say when we were growing up, I definitely thought you were like, your mom was just Straight up bawling rich. I was like, I don't get this. And I mean, I guess I I didn't really think I don't get this because I didn't understand money. Like all of my parents, all three of them, they just ignored money. <laughs> like it was, it. No one ever sat me down and was like, money. This is what we do with money. It was very weird. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, you're. It seemed like you were rich for real.
1: Yeah yeah i mean you know we did well my mom had good years but i think with being a freelance whatever you have good years and you have bad years and my mom spent the same she continued her living you know in a particular way even when we had bad years and the idea i think was who knows if this will continue fingers crossed we have a good year and I can just pay a lot of this back and it won't even be a problem. But that's not really the healthiest or best way to handle that kind of issue. You know, you should button up your spending if you're not having a good year, you know, I I know I have my nails look like hell right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the freelancing, that's how I used to be with money was one day I'm going to get the windfall. And then, and then the windfall doesn't actually come or when you get the windfall, there's so much that has built up that you're like, this windfall wasn't even that much. So I used to really be into the windfall because like with websites, it would sometimes happen with like if I book a big website, the deposit can be a pretty good windfall. Yeah. And but then I would be like, I wouldn't even be smart with it. I wouldn't even know what I was doing with it, and I would just spend it. So there was just a lot going on with that. But, I mean, yeah, you it seemed like you guys were doing really well. I mean, my only... I guess the big thing that I could blame that idea on was one, you had like so many presents and you always had things. And also you always had a fridge full of Pepsi. Like to me, you had a second (laughs) fridge and it was always full of Pepsi. And I felt like that is the height of luxury, like a fridge just for drinks. That is something I didn't get.
1: To be fair, it was a fridge from the 1980s and it was olive green and it was in our garage. I mean, like, yeah, um, yes, I hear what you're saying, but it was definitely (laughs) like my mom and dad's first fridge that they bought together, which I think also this is like deeply rooted, like, you know, psychology behind my mom's grief was like, I cannot get rid of this fridge. This is a thing that I bought with my... You know, now dead husband. So it, there was there were layers to the second fridge for sure. Um, all right, but well. I I hear what you're saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to like dead dad bulldoze no. you on that you, one. Um,
0: <laughs> but there Jessica are layers, will, right, <laughs> Jessica? You dead dad bulldoze, but that's okay. Just everyone needs to know about it, and we're all At least I acknowledge forward. It.
1: <laughs> At least I know that that's what I'm doing. No, but yes, I we definitely looked, for all intents and purposes, like we were a upper-middle, upper-upper-class, rich family, because that's how we spent, and that's the image that we gave off, and um, it was Also your mostly, bat mitzvah. Uh, yeah, that bat mitzvah, well, and my wedding, too, and you know. Wedding. And I think that's a thing, maybe, that we could also discuss, is saving has never been a problem. While my mom had credit card debt, she had savings. And so there were always milestones that she knew that she needed to put money away for in order to pay for, and that money didn't get put towards credit card debt. And I live the same way. So I have a SEP IRA, I have um, stocks, I have you know investments, and I also have a savings account that's my emergency. And I try very hard, the savings account for emergency money I do dip into sometimes. Cause that's what it's for um but i don't pull money out of any of those other locations and i try very hard to make sure that that is separate and that is for the future and that is for some unknown mystery thing that we will need one day and not for my taxes right now right and so um that's always been that separation has always existed for my mom and that separation now exists for me um, when it comes to my spending and my money which is why she could afford that lavish bat mitzvah because they had saved for years for it even before you know my dad passed away and then the same thing for my wedding my mom saved 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 and she moved to arizona and sold the house and when she sold our house in the bay area she saved you know a portion of that money in a special account for our wedding so Mm -hmm. um yeah definitely like savings has been a part of my upbringing and an example that i've had and i know not everyone has that um you know my my husband definitely did not have that. So saving is very hard for him. um, And I help him with that.
0: See, it isn't until I have a savings account now. And it's, I literally look at it once a week because I'm so happy with myself. Um, Because I never used to save money. I just was like, I just like to spend money. And so I'll get into my parents. So my mom, and my dad divorced when I was two years old, and then my mom remarried pretty soon after that. And so for all intents and purposes, I've had basically three parental figures that have all three been very involved in my life. There wasn't, like my dad used to, was did a lot of the upbringing, but my I was at my mom and stepdad's all the time too. It was very, like three days with mom, two days with dad, one weekend with mom, the next weekend with dad, like they were very intense about splitting the time. So it wasn't like I had one, I mean, and, I, and I'm a Gemini. So I go back and I'm already split in terms of like how I am in general and my personality. So it really, it was very hard for me to find stability. And it wasn't literally until last year that I became like a stable person. I'm 32 years old, about to be 33 in June. So it took a long time because of that. I don't, well, I don't know if it's just specifically because of that, but my personality and that really made for a very difficult time for me to figure out how to just like be okay and handle things and like take responsibility. Um, So, and all three of them My mom, my stepdad, and my dad had very different views on money, like so different. So that was cool. No united front, nothing. Like, thanks, guys. Um, No one got together. They didn't have some sort of summit to just make it all clear. Nope. They just all gave me different advice. Or not different advice. It was all just different actions about money. Like, my dad was always in debt, but he just never he he was a photographer and so he got he did the windfall too and so i now looking back i can tell that we it things were good and bad depending on if he booked a wedding so we would be going out to eat every night we would be just living it up and when he booked but then when he spent all his money which was very inevitable, taking my brother and me and him out to eat every night and like buying us things and whatever. Um, then it was just like depression. We were just, okay, we're in the house. Jessica's getting yelled at because she's eating pasta. It's just a whole thing. So it re- And it really was like that. It was like up and down. And I actually took on that pattern for a long time because I went into business for myself. It was like I'm up when I get a client and I'm down when I don't have one. And I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down. And I definitely mimicked that in my marriage where I was like, let's go out. Let's go have fun. Let's go this. And then the moment I felt like, okay, we need to stop spending, it was like I would get mad at him for being like, hey, do you want to go out? And I'm like, no, we're, we're, now we have to buckle down. And so I was very much on that roller coaster. And then my mom was trying to start her own business and her and my stepdad used to fight a lot about money. My stepdad is like very conservative. He's very budget conscious, very frugal. And for a long time, they we were living in like a two bedroom apartment in where Jessica and I grew up in a very affluent area. And I like shared a bedroom with my two brothers. Um, And they were just definitely on their hustle trying to buy a house. And we did buy the house and it was still like a duplex that was connected to another house, which I'm not ungrateful. That's amazing. They worked really hard for that. But I was always a little like full disclosure, just kind of, I'm like, this is what you work hard for? Was like this small house. And I mean, it's the area for sure. But also I was just like, That's so disappointing. And so I got it in my mind that I was like, I gotta be a millionaire. Like I gotta get, I gotta make millions of dollars. And I don't even know why I wanted to do that. I didn't know anyone who was a millionaire, but I was like, that is the key to like, just to to actually, I think in a lot of ways, I was like, that's the key to being happy is to have a lot of money so that you don't have to worry about money which obviously that's not how it goes. When you have a lot of money, you worry about money all the time, I'm sure. So, but in my mind, that was what it took because I was like, my dad's always stressed about money. My mom and stepdad are always fighting about money. They worked so hard and did all of this just to get this small house that we all have to cram into. Um, And my mom is still very like, she is very, take what you can get. She's so scrappy. And the thing that she always told me was, in a marriage, always have your own money. Like, she was original fuck-off fund. For real. <laughs> she was, Yeah. Like, she championed the fuck-off fund before that was a Medium article that went viral. And she was so into that. That was literally the only thing she taught me about money, was if you marry someone, have your own money. <laughs> and I was like, okay, mom. Like, that's it. Because I guess my stepdad at one point, like tried to i don't know he he tried to or oh no my dad my my biological dad like tried to control my mom and like make her clean because he was making all the money and so she was like that's it i'm making my own money like that was the breaking point for her and i so that's the biggest thing that i came out with was like i'm never marrying a man for money i don't care what a man does for a living i'm gonna make my own money like that is not plan b is like to marry someone with money and i not that i don't know that that just somehow became the story in my mind um so that's i mean a lot that's essentially what i learned about money like no one ever sat me down no one helped me i had no idea what i was doing when i was going to college i took out loans like they were candy i just didn't care i kept going back i I didn't even know like I just did not know. And it took a long time for me to and I talked to my mom because she actually she runs a business. She's very financially savvy. They have set their lives up very well, my mom and stepdad. And I'm like, why didn't you ever teach me anything? Come on. And she was like, oh, I just didn't really want to talk about money. (laughs) I love that that's the commonality
1: between our two experiences, though growing up in a affluent, very wealthy white neighborhood is you just don't talk about money.
0: Yeah, you just somehow have it, or you don't, and you just, but you don't ever say anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Don't do that, everyone. (laughs) Right. I think it's so good.
0: Yeah, it's so good and so
1: healthy. I I love that I I think part of the internet being the way that it is, is that we now have this very free and open communication channel that didn't exist when you and I were 16 and 17, where you can just go and seek out information about finances, about money, about the best way to save, what's the best, you know, retirement fund to open. There's all of these very, um, public and accessible means of educating yourself on those things, well, I don't even know what we would have done when we were 15. Like, go to the library, and they just would have taught us how to like write a check. Like, It's so great that the way that technology has shifted has made it so we can now have these conversations more openly and more publicly and be more visible when it comes to spending and saving and debt. think it's great.
0: I also think like the the other layer here is as women, there's not a lot of uh, literature or anything. There wasn't anything out there. No one thought to like teach a woman how to be good with money because even in our generation at that time, it was still like the the guy the man kind of handles it he goes to work and does it like especially if it's you know heteronormative in that society that is how it is and so it was because my mom and you experienced this a lot because you worked with my mom at the boutique at the rouge with her work it was always women coming in who were you know They were housewives and stay-at-home moms. And the whole thing was always, oh, I have to ask my husband. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I, I don't know if my husband will let me. My mom tells me these stories to this day that like most of her returns at the boutique are because the husband said no and they still have to ask permission. And that's a really interesting thing to be fair sometimes i
1: use that as an excuse when i feel cornered
0: or something <laughs> That's like fair. i it's
1: so it's sort of like the it's just this like weird instinct where i'm like well if i make it seem like i'm living in this ancient archaic marriage where i have no control maybe this person will feel bad for me and they'll just leave me alone <laughs> oh my god i mean i kept my last name for god's sake like i th- th- We have very separate spending habits. But for some reason, I feel if I can take the pressure off of me, I won't be embarrassed when it comes to either declining, like, okay, I get a massage and they're trying to oversell me on some, like, face nonsense I don't need. I'll just be like, oh, no, no, no. My husband would never, right? Like, that's it's totally a thing that I do and have done. So who knows? I don't know. But I think there's some interesting element, too, of, like, maybe not wanting to take ownership over your own financial decisions too. There.
0: Totally. Hey, I that's a I've never thought to do that. I guess that it that works. would be a good out. Like It's uh, super work. It's not me. I just shift the blame. We're just Well, and then my you know, I try and make
1: it more like we're a partnership and like, you know, I can't do this without his permission. So, sorry, but it comes off like I literally can't do this without his permission. <laughs> <laughs> Help
0: Help me, get me Help out, me.
1: <laughs> save me from this, Jessica. But people don't—I know—but people don't question it. Then anyway, it's maybe not the best method, but no. Um, but I know what you're saying. I mean, yes, I worked at at that um, boutique with your mom, and I constantly—I mean, I saw people come in where I was like, "You do not have this money," like not the not the way you look, not anything. Like clearly, people are wealthy and well off, but like right now in this moment looking at this price tag, I know that you are putting this on your credit card to pay for this in the future because all of this is a cycle of looks. This whole, you know, thing is a how how wealthy do you appear? That that was really the kind of neighborhood and place that we grew up in. And seeing people actively contributing to what I think is really unhealthy behavior was fascinating. I mean, for all I know, they could have had millions of dollars in the bank account. But there were a couple people where I was like, nah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, it's all this stuff, the environment, that really informs until you start to analyze it and until you start to think about it. These are all the things that inform your, your relationship with money. And it's the thing that I feel like we don't talk about enough. And because. I had that pressure too of like appearing more successful than I am. I really worked on that. I didn't like give into it, but I always felt that and I I mean, I also felt it a lot in Los Angeles because there's a there's a lot of pressure there too. But it because I think my family really wasn't that well off. We were like just making it in that town and especially my dad was like he was renting and having to move. I mean, my dad has moved so many times because they just keep raising the rent. And we were just at our limit living there. I always felt like I'm not good enough because like I, you, like Jessica got a new Mustang when she turned 16 and I got my brother's hand-me-down Honda Accord, which like, hey, it was a car, so I'll take it. But I felt very, like people made fun of me. They made fun of me for having that car, which is just like a dick move, by the way. But also I, I, like people would call it the, so the license plate said nub on it. So everybody would call it the nub. I forgot that we did that. You guys were assholes.
1: We were assholes. <laughs> Damn it. But it was a Q, It was a nub. It's a great car. It was a great first hey, car. Hey, it really, it, it held me through. But I bashed my car, like, within uh, two months of owning it. I should not have had that car. Nobody oh. needs a new car at 16.
0: Definitely not. So that, it was, but there was a lot of layers there. And I think that that has informed a lot because I know that I overspent. I have recently this is an overall life high, Um, I have recently got myself out of consumer debt. So I don't have any balances on any of my credit cards, which is the first time since I've been 18 years old that that has ever been true. Thank you, thank you. And I have a savings account. I still have some student loans, but that is on course to, I have like 10,000, or no, actually 9,000 left on student loans, which will be paid off within a couple of months because I'm prioritizing that. Um, But I, but I spent a lot of time in my 20s, especially trying to just keep up with everybody. And I just spent money as if I had it and always thought, you know what, future me is going to deal with this. And then future me got really pissed. Future me was like, stop, stop giving me all this debt and all these things that I have to deal with because I just wasn't being responsible. And I actually, I mean, maybe this is informed by where we grew up and informed by family life. um, But I just, every time I had to like say no to myself, I really felt that I was depriving myself. And then it made me feel really inadequate. Like I just always, every time, that was the cycle. It was like, if I can't buy this thing and I'm depriving myself, then I must not be good enough and I am inadequate and it's true. All this is true. And so it just, then I would buy it because I was like, well, now I want to feel good about myself. And that was not, I had to really break that pattern and it took a long time because I was like, I need to find my self-worth like outside of this because I think in Danville, where we grew up, um, sorry to put you on blast, Danville, but I'm not. Yeah, I I guess I'm not either. Don't be sorry. (laughs) But in Danville, where we grew up, it was just like there was a lot of worth tied up in, you know, how well off you looked and appeared and people really did look down on you. I mean, it wasn't like you're imagining it. They really did. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, How? just a segue we're just gonna just cut off into a weird thing why why do you think based on our experiences which are pretty isolated not everyone has this experience and and we don't have diverse backgrounds really when it comes to um, how we grew up being perceived in terms of money but um, why don't people talk about money in art why are these conversations that are that are weird why why do you think this is like a sticky point especially around art let's bring it back to art for sure but um what is it about that where people just don't want to have that conversation
0: well I really do think a lot of it has to do with that feeling of inadequacy where it's there's like this there's a it's, it's like a dichotomy there's the if you're not making money from your art, your art must not be good. But then there's the, also this dichot this other part of it that's like if you are making money from your art, you're a sellout and you've gone to commercial. And so it's like yeah, how do you me. even yeah, it's like how do you even <laughs> win? <laughs> like in that yeah. cuz those are the only two options. It's like okay, if you're if you're selling your art, you've somehow like sold it out. But then if you're talking about money, it's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. You're an artist. Like, you just art all day. You can't talk about budgets. That's not cool, you know? And that's not part of the process. And it's like, but they have to go, the, to ignore that is like, so only people who have, what, like, trust funds get to do art in that kind of, like, flowy, kimono-wearing art situation. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think, um, for me, when I first started doing commercial photography and was sharing my commercial photography to Instagram, the comments I would get were, you've sold out. And I was like, what do you mean I've sold out? I've sold up. What are you talking about? Like, And I, I would just respond to people saying, hey, I think it's pretty cool that I can pay for my health insurance this month. Don't you? If you have an extra $390 laying around that you want to send me so I don't have to make art for any brands ever again and I can just make personal art, here's my PayPal. Feel free because otherwise this is what pays my bills and makes it so I can make personal art. And, And I'm not, personally, I'm not ashamed about that. I love being a commercial photographer. I find it very interesting to marry my art and my aesthetic and my look and my vision with a brand you know how do I fit what I do into what this brand is trying to create um I'm always been a fan of community and building you know imagery and it's something that I'm I enjoy doing and so yeah for me personally I I don't feel like I'm selling out but it I do find it interesting that I still to this day five years later will get feedback being like ugh this, what a sellout <laughs> oh like, the what? sellout
0: god like, what
1: yeah it's crazy and i think you're right i think um it it does make me feel in a weird way guilty that i can't stand in my guest room like you said wearing a flowy you know <laughs> flower dress with like thousands of dollars of studio light and just take like portraits of beautiful women covered in flowers all day long. But like, I don't have money to do that. Like, I would love to, that would be great. But I, yeah, I didn't grow up with a trust fund. I don't, I didn't, I'm, I had windfalls. I had blessings come to me in, in the form of sad tragedies that allowed it so I don't have debt when I started out into this world. But um I don't have like just a pile of money where I can say, nah, I don't need to do, work for brands or work for hire that's i gotta do that That, that's part of how i make art that fulfills me later definitely and also making art for brands also fulfills me like i love it (laughs) and i think it's weird that i feel shamed into saying that too like I greatly enjoy it. I think it's fantastic. I love collaborating and and I definitely do feel ashamed and like I need to be like, Well, I do it because then I could do my art. But like that is my art too.
0: I'm really proud of it. So, yeah, I mean, you have absolutely beautiful pictures. like I mean, the things that you do for brands is it's so seamless and i don't i mean i don't think anyone should have an issue with that because what is the alternative like you because it's there's so much there is not a situation where anybody wins in how people view art and art as a commodity and art and money because like it they look down on you if you can't make money from it like then it's like you're not popular enough you're not good enough they look down on you if you quote unquote sell out. But it's like, are they jealous? They can't make money off their art. Like, what it what is the compulsion about the sellout? Like, why does it bother? It doesn't bother me. I don't. Yeah. I I don't care. Like, to me, that's a that's just maybe because I am an artist. I have that. I have the understanding of what it takes um yeah i mean i had a lot of situ- so with design with graphic design and helping people with their businesses and all of that it really i have like no personal qualms about it it's really cuz i've always viewed design as a commodity i've always done it, it not for the money but because it makes money and it is a skill that is very marketable so I've always never really been precious about it ever but I have in the past been precious about my writing and to not write a book at the so I had a literary agent I was going to write a book and to not write a book was a financial decision in a lot of ways um, because I needed to make money like I could not wait to get a book deal and and I also did the did the um, math and I was like, okay, even if best case scenario, I get a six figure book deal, like a hundred thousand, I'm going to have to write the book and promote it for about two years. That's in advance. I have to sell enough copies to buy out that advance. I have to pay 40% of it to taxes, 15% of it to my um, agent. So I was like, but I was really actually torn up about how much I was thinking about the money. I was like I should just do a book out of the passion and love of writing. But the fact that I was not making money, that no, I was making money but not good money as a writer and as a freelance writer with all their like net 90s and everything with freelancing, <laughs> where I was like, "Can you pay me my $700?" My god. Um <laughs> like I just didn't I I hated it. I actually hated it because I was like This is ruining my relationship to writing because of like, I'm not making enough money from it, which was, and then it ruined, I couldn't write the book. I was like, I'm in debt because at that point I was in debt. I have too much overhead every month and this is making me incredibly stressed out. I worked on a book for over a year and the best case scenario would have been, I would have walked away with like maybe 25000 payment, which like had to last me a year, like 25,000 sounds like a lot, but not if you have to spread it out across a year. So I think there's a lot that has to be this like with art, In, in a lot of people's mind, it's like, I should have written the book out of pure pleasure and passion and not worried about the money. And I was like, I can't do that. Like I tried to do that for about two years, I tried to not worry about the money And it made me the most anxious I've ever been that I had to go on anti-anxiety medication. So that doesn't work either. It's like none of the avenues work until really, I guess the answer is like, find conviction in what you're doing. Find what works for you, like what you're doing. I mean, You don't have to be ashamed that you're making money from doing art that pays the bills. I mean, that's cool. Why is that not that's interesting to me that that would not be cool it's like hell yeah you get to do a thing that you love and brands will pay you that much money for it fuck yeah go you
1: yeah I think it's definitely a perspective that people have um outside of the artist industry you know and and I think the other thing that I know we we talked about like I would love to have a trust fund and do this I mean I would I genuinely would I I know like there's there's stigma on all ends of being an artist. There's stigma when you are flush with cash and your family is successful and you didn't have to worry about where your art came from, but that doesn't make the art any less good. And then there's stigma when people have a day job and are working you know, a nine to five as a policeman and then in their free time are like illustrating children's books, which is literally an example from the New York Times article that came out fairly recently earlier this year of um, does having a day job mean making better art it was such a good article that talked about a lot of those swings those extremes and and the stigma that comes with it between I'm set up and everything's great and I don't have to worry but I'm still making art and I'm being judged for that art versus I am a a famous painter and I'm here to install your dishwasher because that's what I do during the day is I install dishwashers. Um, And I found that article was really interesting to me. Because I, I also find myself, I mean, we we said a couple times, you and I, Jamie, we made references to like trust fund artists and kimonos. And and for me, I also want to check myself on that because there is nothing wrong with that art. That art isn't less artistic or less important or doesn't have less of a voice because it doesn't come from a place of struggle. That's also unfair to say or call out Um, and and for me as someone who does not make good art when I'm sad and I do not make good art when I'm depressed in fact I make no art when I'm depressed Mm -hmm. um, I also want to make sure I'm not saying that you have to struggle or you have to have problems with money in order to be a good artist because that's not true at all either you can have a day job you can be Doing, you know, your passion um, on the side, and and still be just as much of an artist as anyone else that's out there doing it full time or freely without the worry or care of money.
0: Yes, I'm glad you said that because I don't have any, I don't have any ill will directed towards anyone who has a trust fund. I don't think it degrades the art at all. I don't think anyone. I'm really not in, I maybe in the past might've had like some jealousy and bitterness towards it if I'm being totally honest. But I think that everyone has their own struggle, but I don't think that good art needs to come from struggle at all. I feel I feel like that's a really big thing that like we need to divorce from art because it's just such a, it's almost like people want to see that you've earned it so much like you have to have struggled for it so hard to be like given the privilege of doing art which i think is like a really i don't think that that's a very positive way to bring art into the world um my favorite thing finding out of in terms of um like trust fund was finding out that um so oh that jordan peele you know, the, uh, he did get out. Um, his mom was is Lucinda Williams, and she's like a very famous songwriter. And I was like, you know what? That's really cool. Like that didn't like degrade that movie at all. Like that made it even better because he got to be able to have some sort of foundation in order to bring that kind of art into the world. Because that's also important too. Like that, I just think of that story all the time because I'm like, Yes, that makes that that's awesome. And I
1: definitely I think of like Tracy Ellis Ross. I didn't realize her mom was Diana Ross until maybe last year and I was like, of course, duh, but I do think that like well, and then you look at Sigourney Weaver, her father basically is the reason why talk shows exist. He created the format. He is a like darling in the NBC world. I mean, not even just NBC in in Hollywood, um, but Sigourney Weaver is an absolutely incredible actress who does super important work for women and women's visibility in terms of her art. And so, yeah, I mean, there are people who have um, assistants, who have an in, who have a knowledge of the industry that maybe other people don't know. But I think those it's not fair to be like, just because you have that, what you're making doesn't have value or worth or isn't as important. Like we said in the beginning, money shapes you. The way that you were raised shapes you. You bring those things in, those experiences in childhood, into your art as an adult. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Like, go get jobs at, I don't know, the metro? Like, it, they can if they want, sure. But it's like, doesn't it make more sense that they're taking this knowledge that they grew up with, this you know, industry that they were raised around and bringing their perspective to it and, and bringing their art to it. I, I know people make fun of the whole girls thing and we can go off on Lena Dunham's problematic behavior all we want, but it's, people look at the women who are working on girls and and are like well all of their parents are famous and they just have a leg up in this industry and that's why they're able to make that art okay sure and you don't have to like what they're making and you don't have to like that show but i also think it's important that women are making art about women's sexuality and women's struggles and women who are struggling with mental illness i think there's just as much validity in all of the things that they're talking about regardless of how or why they got to that place of being able to make that art.
0: Yeah, definitely. I also think, though, there is a layer here and it doesn't take anything away from that art. But I, in full honesty, it's like in times of struggle when I felt really trapped that I'm not doing my art, that I don't, I can't do my art because of responsibilities or different types of pressures about making money, I would feel very frustrated that, like, Uh, Why do they get to do art unfettered while I have to struggle like this? So I think uh, I know that I'm coming right now. I'm coming from a place of feeling really stable and secure in what I'm doing. But in the past, I haven't always. And so that doesn't mean let's like raise, you know, like get mad at everybody who has a trust fund or anything but it's just it is a reality that that would be frustrating if you feel that you can't pursue your dream or that you haven't been able to put as much time cuz you do need time like it's a leg up because you get the time and the you don't have you have freedom in your mind to not have to worry about money and that's a very true reality that has to be seen and acknowledged because that's exactly it's the same thing about the day job like the day job article is essentially saying like having a day job frees up your mind to be able to work on your art instead of having it all wrapped up in your art and so i think there is something there where it's like money is the vehicle for time so like time is the commodity though because you need time to like refine your art to get to be able to work on your art to to garner inspiration to not have to you know i I don't just like you said not everybody does great is very creative under like extreme pressure like i've never felt like my least creative time was when I was like, how am I going to pay the rent? I wasn't like, oh, great. Can't wait to write. I was like, mm, I can't even think about writing because I have to think about making money. Yeah.
1: Well, let me, there's um, the part that you're referencing in that New York Times article is actually my favorite part of that entire article. Do you mind if I just read these two sentences? Oh, read it. Okay. <sighs> I'm ready. <laughs> I have to get my reading voice prepared. That's oh not true. God. Okay. <laughs> for those who want to mind daily life for their art, a second job becomes an umbilical cord fastened to something vast and breathing. The alternate gig that lifts you out of your process also supplies fodder for when that process resumes. Lost time is regained as range and perspective. The artist acquiring yet one more mode of inhabiting the world. Ugh, New York Times. Damn. writer, They nailed it. Katie Waldman, you nailed that. I felt... Feelings. We got to get Katie like, got, on for a guest. Ooh, gö- Katie, Ooh. you're good. I but I got like chills because that is my art started when I was working at Instagram. I mean even way before then when I was in high school, I was always interested and then when I was in college I took photography classes, but it was always my art was coupled with something else. You know, there was always this balance. It was real life fueling my vision, my passion, my you know excitement, my reason for picking up a camera. I don't think it's any different. I think that's why I don't do studio work. I think that's why I shy away from doing studio work. To be honest, because for me, natural moments occurring in the world, things unfolding naturally are far more interesting to me. And so, reading that, I was like, oh, yes, like that's such an important perspective that I lose track of working for myself and being home alone a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. I used to fantasize about, and I I hope this doesn't sound like an asshole thing to just say, but I used to fantasize about being a barista because I was like, all I want is to just do a job where someone orders a coffee. And the coffee is given to them and it's done. That's it. Like, I, because I was in the midst of like working on projects that just took so long and I was not getting paid. I was like, wouldn't it just be good to do an honest day's work for the love of yeah. God? Like, I don't even care what it is. Like, I really, I mean, I was in a place financially where that wouldn't have even paid my bills. So that didn't feel good. But, I used to fantasize about having something that just had no connection to my art because I was like, I was so precious about my art that I, uh, it was just like an emotional battle. And I'm like, I have to make some fucking money. I can't be in an emotional battle every day with this.
1: Totally. I mean, you and I have talked about this. I'm, uh, until this job that just came through, I was almost at six months of not working. And and you have to take into consider as an artist the 90-day payment, which means, you know, by the time I do get paid for this work, it's I'm going to be like eight months out and and that's not sustainable you know I have gone through the bit of savings that I have allotted for myself and I'm in a partnership with another person who has basically been helping keep us afloat which is fantastic and uh, so I mean I wouldn't I would have gotten a job that that's that's the truth there is I wouldn't have gone this long making personal art and not making art for money but um, I was at the point where I was like, okay, I need to get a job. Like, there's so many great businesses nearby. I'm very thankful that I am I know most of the people that work at the businesses nearby because I frequent them. Um, and I was like, cool, well, I guess I'll get my resume in order. And then of course this job comes through. So <laughs> the universe is strange, but, um, but the, that's the reality sometimes. And I don't think there's any shame in saying, I love making money from my art and I love working with brands as a means to continue my art. But at the same time, if that is no longer sustainable, I need an alternative option in order to continue to make my art.
0: Yes. And not having all these like, quote unquote, or these capital F feelings about it. And I mean, you can have as many feelings. We're talking about feelings, but trying to not have so much worth tied up in whether like just your art in general because there is a reality of making money and it's a reality that we just we've talked about that not enough people are talking about so we're coming up on our the to, our limit our time limit but we're going to be talking about money more. We're going to keep having different iterations and topics about finances and art and the intersection for sure because we had notes on what we wanted to talk about and we didn't even get to all of it. So if you're left feeling like you want more, there will be more. So keep listening.
1: Yeah, also, um, we have created a Facebook group. Um, it's called Feeling Feelings. And it'll be linked to on our website, feelingfeelings.co. If you want to come on in there and start a conversation, um, we'll be discussing highs and lows for everyone for the week. I think it will be a nice place in order for people to vent but also share their successes. Um, and if there's anything you want to talk about in terms of money, even getting advice on um, you know, how much you should charge, what's your worth, I think there's a lot of things we didn't cover when it comes to money like Jamie said so we can carry that conversation over in there Um, and then if there's anything else that you want to hear us talk about in terms of money or finances or maybe it is what you should charge and what your worth is let us know and we'll put it uh, we'll have a conversation about it
0: yeah also that is probably going to be a whole episode because that deserves its own episode like what should you charge yeah that's a big one
1: yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) well that's it That's it, folks. I felt feelings. Yep, we did. (laughs) Uh, Jamie, always
0: a pleasure. Yes, have a great week. Yeah. Enjoy. Signing off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Are you going to stop this? No. Never. (laughs)